Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hello and welcome to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. I'm Liz Loza and today I am super excited to talk about slow starts. I think we should maybe call these like early season fantasy slots. That's not to say that these players are slots, but just that their beginning to the 2021 campaign will be sloth-like. Anyway, I'm talking about all of that with one of my favorite people in the fantasy space, Ms. Kate Majuk. Uh, you may know her on Twitter at FFBallBlast. Um, she's also the editorial coordinator for DraftKings Nation, and I'm sure she'll have plenty of early season DFS fades for us. But before we get started, this is what they call in the business a tease. I want you to make sure to sign up for a fantasy team with us at Yahoo. And if you really want an edge over your league mates this year, give Yahoo Fantasy Plus a spin. There's a trade hub. That stuff is tricky. A research assistant, also very helpful. Of course, cheat sheets and tons of deeper extra features on top of the Yahoo Fantasy you know and love. So sign up for a league and get your free trial of Yahoo Fantasy Plus at yahoo.com slash fantasy football. Okay, Kate, welcome to the show. You're allowed to talk now. Sorry, were you talking to me? I was just signing up for my trial of Yahoo Fantasy Plus. So I missed I, I missed the last thing that you said. Girl coming on the pod and coming for my job. I know. Look at that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for having me on. It is such an honor. What a privilege. Uh, oh. I, I'm so excited to kick off this season. Uh, we just moved to Texas, my wife and I. So we. this is my first podcast that I've ever recorded in our new home, in our new state. Uh, you've christened this house, Liz. Very excited. Oh my gosh. Now, what an honor for me. Kate, tell us a little bit for anyone who's listening and isn't aware of you and your wife, Michelle, and the platform Ball Blast that you run, what it is you do, what it is you love most about fantasy, and maybe the thing that, the moment, the aha moment that brought you into fantasy. Oh, absolutely. Fun fact, everybody. I did not watch football before marrying, uh, before meeting my wife, Michelle, period. Did not watch football. I was from Youngstown, Ohio, smack huh. dab in the middle between Pittsburgh Nation and uh, Browns country and lots of football fans uh, there ready to influence me, but I wanted no part of it. And then I met my wife, Michelle, and it turns out that she is quite the psychopath when it comes to football. Uh, she oh, no. played She's super, super no. chill. Very, very, very chill, chill personality. <laughs> Yes. And that, that is how she's known in the Twitter space. Um, but you know what, how I got started in fantasy football, she invited me to a league with her brother. 
Uh, shout out Lucas, who is a very intense human being like his sister, but she, on my behalf, spoke out and said, you know, I think Kate wants to give uh, fantasy football, like I, she wants to join the league. She's really good. Uh, and I'm like, I've never watched football. Um, so I literally spent the entire summer so scared of my future brother-in-law training. Like I'm taking yes. like first team reps. I'm doing, I'm studying. I put so much time and effort into preparing for fantasy football, learning what it was about. And then the obsession sank in and it was, it was all over. As soon as we played the first, I made it to the playoffs in our first season ever playing. Um, and it was like this big high stakes money league. And I beat my brother-in-law and I'm yes. fantastic. And we were just sitting around drinking beer one day. We were at a brewery and we we're like, you know what? Like we spend way too much time researching fantasy football, not to share this information. So we started the ball blast fantasy football podcast. One word. Uh, I hope anybody here will check it out. Uh, we host that together with Jake Trowbridge, who's like the most up and coming, so entertaining, uh, fantasy name. You guys have to follow him too, but you know, we are a brand on the premise of giving actionable information, actionable content, but we want to be one step ahead of everybody else. We want to hashtag get ballsy and, uh, you know, give you, give you an edge because the consensus is great, but you know, those that aren't, uh, sort of catering to that consensus, you're one step ahead of the game and we want to help you get there. So, uh, we are ball blast football. We've got a website, ballblastfootball.com. Um, but really we're, we're just here. We don't, we don't want to be scared to, uh, you know, look outside of the box and and make some bold predictions. Cause that's usually at the end of the day, what's going to uh, help you edge out your league mates is getting, you know, that, that advice that isn't totally within line of the rest of your league mates. And let me just say that Kate's analysis, like she used the word bold prediction. I think sometimes bold prediction gets conflated with hot takes. Hot takes. I will, I will vouch though for Kate and say that her bold predictions are well-informed and they are outside of the box and they are not simply hot takes for the sake of getting retweets and likes. There is a big difference and they both live a plenty on the social media platforms <laughs> that is current life. But I will say that Kate is always bringing facts to her analysis, which is why I invited her on our show so that our listeners could benefit from some of her very on-point analysis, her intuition, and her educated point of view. Let's get into some news and notes because, um, Kate, this is very hot takey, but um, I think <laughs> Devin Funchess's career might be over. That is a very hot take, um, but one I share. So I, I feel very comfortable with this first news segment. Uh, Devin Funches, you have to feel um, like a, there's a part yeah. of me that feels just terrible because uh, I do think that there was just this little, little bit of all of us that really wanted to believe that uh, with a, a season of health, we might see Devin Funches. But I know it's a name that we haven't heard in a while, but that's because he hasn't played a snap in the regular season since week one back in 2019. He was with the Colts. And I remember thinking and probably writing, frankly, I don't remember, but it's not impossible to believe that I wrote a couple of nugs about how Funchess had that one year in Carolina and he could do something with the Colts, given, you know, the dearth at the time of pass catching options that they had. 
hurt himself, opted out of 2020, and now he's on IR with a season-ending injury uh, in Green Bay. So I think the page on Devin Funchess has been turned, and I only mention that because it leads up to another bigger player, also a former Carolina Panther, in which the page may be turned. Cam Newton did return to practice, but, you know, he sat out some time because there was a, quote, misunderstanding over COVID protocols. Um, and I don't know if he's going to be the Patriots quarterback anymore. What's what's your thought on this? I mean, it's really, really hard uh, not to be looking at the buzz coming out of Patriots training camp, uh, the athletic. They do fantastic uh, training camp coverage. You have got to really dig deep to find negative feedback on Mac Jones. Um, there was a there was a post today. I can't remember if I saw it on Twitter or where I saw this footage, but uh, it was like Mac Jones and the coaching staff walking out of the tunnel, um, and they're like giggling and laughing. Like he looks to be the guy. It it looks like the media is very well sold on on what he's been able to accomplish in that setting and. Bill Belichick himself came out to say that that opportunity that he got to, um, you know, get all of those first team reps, that was a big opportunity. And when Bill Belichick gives you a little nugget like that, I feel like, cause you know, he doesn't say what he means, but any sort of, I'm going to take an inch and take it a mile with Bill Belichick. And I'm going to say that I, yeah, Mac Jones, I think, I think he's the guy and better yet. He's looked he's looked really good. He's looked poised in the preseason. He's looked confident. He hasn't looked super shaky. Like I I've been impressed. I thought he was going to come out looking maybe not as mentally prepared, just given the situation and the question marks uh, within that, that battle in general, but uh, he looks like the guy. Yeah, it's Matt Jones to me is a fascinating study because let's not forget, right? He is a first round pick 15th overall, but we should not be surprised that Mac Jones took full advantage of an opportunity when it was presented to him. That's exactly what he did at Alabama, right? He comes from a family of attorneys. He's probably <laughs> the most cerebral of these rookie QBs in this draft class. He and Eric Edholm, who's our Yahoo NFL draft expert, discussed this during the Rookie Snapshot podcast that we did back in the spring. Mac Jones, I believe, and scouts believe, fully understands his physical limitations and makes up for them in his uh, approach to the game, in his intellectual ab ability to attack the game. And this dude's playing chess. And he don't mind playing chess because he's good at it. It's interesting because um, Charles Robinson on this week's edition of You Pod to Win the Game was joined by Shalise Manza-Young. And they talked about how the Patriots' COVID snafu, this whole, quote, misunderstanding that I mentioned earlier, was really likely to open the door for Mac Jones taking that starting job away from Cam Newton. So for our listeners, if you want you know, oppression to view on the league, go ahead and check out You Pod to Win the Game with Charles Robinson. He has a regular cycle of guests, um, but I found it really interesting that Charles and Shalise predicted this. It happened, and also we should not be surprised it happened because when you study the quarterback that 
Mac Jones is, you realize that this is that his uh, ability upstairs above the shoulders is certainly one of the best in his tool belt, if you will. We have heard that all through the draft process is that he is just he understands the game of football so well. And that's not sexy for fantasy football. Like nobody wants to hear he's he's great above the shoulders. You want to hear that those legs are ready to run at mm-hmm. any any given opportunity. But I, I do think that there's there's a lot of potential there. And you should be maybe a little bit more excited for the receivers, even though there's, again, no sexy names there in New England. But um, I do think that this is going to be an interesting, an interesting year for the Patriots offense as a whole. And you don't always need to be sexy to produce for fantasy. I'm going to throw out a name. It's Jacoby Myers. I think people should absolutely (laughs) start taking a look at him because he is an incredible late round draft value. Um, And as you mentioned, there might be a changing of the guard here. All right, let's talk about another player who's been a little bit divisive in fantasy. He's an early round, first round usual pick, Saquon Barkley. He is back at practice. We've been monitoring his injury status since October when he uh, received surgery on his knee. I did a whole deep dive in my Rest versus Rust series on him with the help of Dr. Alex Weber, who's the uh, orthopedic surgeon and the team doctor at the University of Southern California. You guys check that out because if you want Saquon Barkley stats and you want to learn about this knee rehab and the specifics of it, we went real deep. But anyway, a lot of people don't understand all of that and have just been like, well, a knee surgery, like players come back from ACLs now. Adrian Peterson was a thing. So I want to know from you, Kate, where are you willing to draft him? And do you think it might be a minute before he returns on that first round investment? Uh, it, it, I do think it's going to be a minute. And I feel like I've been on the lonely island here in terms of uh, where I'm willing to draft Saquon Barkley, because honestly, it where I'm willing to draft him, I don't think there's any possibility that he's going to fall there. I, I would ideally like to draft Saquon Barkley as a third round pick. It, that's It's never going to happen. Um, but Saquon Barkley, he's ranked uh, right now going into the season as my running back 12, which is is very low. People are drafting him as a top five running back. Um, I have really big concerns, not just even from, from an injury standpoint, the schedule is not in his favor, but I I mean, the, the news that came out today, I feel like that says it all. He took eight live reps in Thursday's practice. And people are excited, right? Like I saw that number. I was like eight reps and people are like going out of their minds with Jubilee being like RB (laughs) one. It, I mean, it's absolutely insane. His first reps since tearing his ACL last season, that's not good. He's still in a no contact jersey. None of this is encouraging because Liz, we are literally like two weeks away mm-hmm. from Thursday night kickoff. And it's unsettling that you're still in a, a no contact jersey because you know what? I think there are so many different hurdles that you have to overcome in your rehab and uh, in terms of being comfortable returning from a knee injury. And a big part of that, I think, is a lot of that mental aspect. We've seen it with Joe Burrow mm-hmm. already this season. Saquon Barkley has to be ready mentally to take those hits and take um, the contact that comes with being an NFL running back. And it doesn't sound like, based on where he's at, or at least 
where the team feels comfortable progressing his rehab, that he's totally there. You mentioned the schedule. I mean, the first month is absolutely brutal. Three of his four first matchups are against Denver, Washington, and New Orleans. Those are not gimmies. And you have to imagine, given the eight reps, right, the easing in that has been happening throughout the summer, that limited workload limited in comparison to the workload that he was given pre-injury, right, is going to continue because there is no way that Gettleman, who has gotten so much flack for this pick, number two overall for a running back, is not going to want to protect this very weighty investment. Absolutely. And you mentioned Adrian Peterson, um, literally in his year returning from his ACL, had literally had a Pro Bowl season. In game one, he saw 13 touches, 52 yards. All right, nothing special. He averaged nearly five yards per carry over the next four games, 21 touches per game. That that was on pace for like 300 touches in just that first four-week span. So like there was no reservation regarding Adrian Peterson, his mm, workload. And it, it it does seem like, I mean, this team is treating Saquon Barkley like an investment and you mentioned the schedule. So like the Denver Broncos, you have, you know, plenty of, plenty of defense, defensive players, uh, playmakers there, Washington 31st in fantasy points allowed to the running back position last season, new Orleans saints dead last in fantasy points allowed to the running back and now looking at Saquon Barkley. So this is not even considering the injury, but Saquon Barkley against top 10 rushing defenses. He has played 10 games in his career against top 10 rushing defenses, averaged 16 PPR points per game in comparison uh, to the rest of his splits um, where he's averaged 22.8 PPR points a game. So I, like 16 points a game, that's not that's not bad, right? That's not uh, going to kill you. But like, let's look at the the point differential there. You're, you're looking at a sizable chunk of points that will accumulate. And, and that's not even considering the fact that we're probably going to see a, a very limited workload to start the season. That's right. To me, it's for where the he's drafted, I'm out. Yeah. To me, it's the workload. And so for so long, those pass catching opportunities were what buoyed his fantasy, his rushing efficiency. And he's just not going to get those. Not when you have added this, you know, cadre of other pass catching options to New York. So um, I'm with you. I do. So I was asked a question by Greg Rosenthal on the Around the NFL podcast yesterday, and he asked me who I would rather draft Jonathan Taylor. Like, let's forget where they're being drafted, but would you rather have on your roster Jonathan Taylor or Saquon Barkley? Jonathan Taylor, 10 times out of 10 times. So I hedged and said I would prefer Saquon because to me, the talent, like the elite level of talent is always the tiebreaker. And Jonathan Taylor has had the benefit. I have them back to back in my rankings, but Jonathan Taylor has always had the benefit of running behind a stout offensive line, whether it was Wisconsin or Indianapolis. And now with Quentin Nelson's injury, I'm not so sure. And attached to like a a so-so offense, like I'm not so sure. So I, to break the tie said Saquon, but I'm you said like 10 times, no question about it, Jonathan Taylor. Absolutely no question. And I mean, for me, it comes it, when I'm looking at the upside between these two running backs, upside of Jonathan Taylor, 
he doesn't have Saquon Barkley upside for me. Um, I like Saquon Barkley to the moon. Um, but given the injury circumstances and uh, the ceiling that I do believe Jonathan Taylor has, we we have heard some positive things about the fact that Quentin Nelson is hopefully going to be returning uh, week one. If not week one, it sounds like he's on track to be ready sooner rather than later. Mm-hmm. Um, there are still there are still questions on the offensive line, but um, even looking at uh, you know maybe a more recent ACL tear like Dalvin Cook tore his ACL in his rookie season, returned in 2018, didn't play a full 16 game slate. He played 11 games. He only had three top 12 finishes in that entire season. Three out of 11, and you're banking. Uh, essentially that Saquon Barkley needs to, uh, for where you're being drafted, he needs to grossly outperform that. Yeah. Peak um, value. I, I, you're drafting I, you're, peak value. Yeah, exactly. I, I just think that it, we're not, we're not necessarily getting, you know, as a safe a floor that I think we are with Jonathan Taylor. We did see him utilize plenty in the the receiving game. I really like Jonathan Taylor and the fact, like all of the encouraging news that we're getting about, the offense in general, that's all sort of swaying me there, but yeah, it's not even close for me. And again, I need somebody to talk me off the ledge. Cause why isn't it closer for me? I just have so many, there's, there's too many red flags there. Not to mention the New York giants as an organization Liz, they seem to be in a bit of a kerfuffle. Um, <laughs> like I, I'm not sure what's going on with the team. We're getting weird reports about, you know, uh, Daniel Jones being, uh, in the bottom of a scrum in the middle of practice. Like I love that going on, by the York? way, though, like that must be straight <laughs> PR because they're trying to like tough up Danny Dogecoin. I did steal oh, that. Yeah. I don't know who it was from, but I don't <laughs> want anyone to say like, oh my gosh, you stole that Danny Dogecoin from at whoever I did. I don't know who it was. Um, I love it. Yeah, but maybe it's toughening him up. Like, let's talk quarterbacks then, because I don't think anyone is doubting Dak Prescott's toughness. He has been an absolute hard knocks favorite. And before that, just such an incredible story. Always an underdog, always performed. The top of last season was so lit. It was like happening for him. And then obviously the ankle injury moved everything sideways. He's come up with a shoulder strain in camp and it just sort of has seemed to derail the comeback process. Um, But, you know, there are constant news reports, obviously, in Dallas because, um, well, there's as many, (laughs) there's as many news reports as there are drone shots in Dallas, I guess I should say. Um, But he's back at practice. He fired off, wait for it, 11, I'm sorry, wait for it, Kate. He fired off 12 passes. Yeah, he completed 11 of them. A couple of them were, you know, 20 plus yards down the field. And that's That's like four more. That's four more reps than Saquon Barkley got. Exactly. Actually. Uh, So, you know, everyone is saying that. And and frankly, the media coverage has been like, he's getting an MRI, but don't freak out. No one's worried. Well, I wouldn't pretend, I wouldn't act worried if I had signed a marquee player to a brand new deal in a comeback season, um, making him the fourth highest paid athlete in the world. By the way, he makes more, according to Forbes, than Tom Brady. The two are going to face off. Yeah, isn't that wild? I believe Tom Brady's number 12, according to Forbes, and uh, Dak Prescott is number four. The two are going to face off in the premier game of the 2021 NFL season. I... 
think this is great news. And I am still excited about CeeDee Lamb and Ezekiel Elliott. And we talked about Blake Jarwin on this show last week. Neil Dutton came on. And there are a lot of fantasy pieces attached to the fire that we're expecting out of Dak Prescott. But I also think people need to manage their expectations out of the gate because this is a player, and you mentioned the mental aspect of the game, who has missed significant rust-shaking time because of the shoulder strain and is also facing off against <laughs> the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense. And last I checked, the Bucs held Patrick Mahomes out of the end zone the last time professional football was played. They had practically zero turnover on their entire team, which is wildly unprecedented and impressive. We know they're coming for it. I'm not expecting a, quote, Super Bowl hangover from any squad led by Tom Brady. And I think that this D-line in Tampa Bay is going to come for Dak. They know what the weakness is. He's going to have to, and and he's not going to be used to it. And then also... Uh, in week two, he's on the road again, 10 days later, sure, so there's a little bit of rest, but he doesn't come home until week three, and in week two, he's going to face off against the Chargers. Now, we don't know what Brandon Staley is going to do with that unit, but we know that they have, like, top five potential. Those are two tough matchups to shake rust off in. You mentioned, I mean, starting on the road like that, that's just never a, that's never a fantastic way to start your season. Looking at Dak Prescott, I I love him season long. Um, I I think he is going to bounce back. Even when you look at his overall efficiency, there's nothing there that tells you um, he's in for massive regression. Like his touchdown rate, pretty on point. Uh, He actually had a a below average touchdown rate for his passing stats last season than he did um, just 4.1% of his passes went for touchdowns compared to his career average of 4.6%. Um, it completed 68% of passes. Yes, that's um, that's a fantastic stat. His career average is only 66%. So like all of these metrics tell you that there, there should be plenty of opportunity. At, like we shouldn't expect too much regression. But I do think, again, like you said, Dak is a very mentally tough quarterback. We've seen it personally. We have seen it. Uh, yeah. I think just in his willingness to uh, return and his eagerness to return to the field, I don't know how many expletives we heard uh, when he was begging for reps to return to the field. Like they, they pulled him back after, I think it was in the first episode, they pulled him back. They, you know, got him, got him a few plays and and they, they pulled him from practice and he was on the sideline dropping language that your grandmother should never hear in her life. And he just, he wants to play football. And I think that's fantastic, but uh, definitely the, the starting schedule is concerning, but it is I, when you're returning from injury. I mean, I, I'm not a professional football player, shocker, but I have uh, twisted my ankle and sprained my ankles many, many times. And do you know how long it takes me to like get back on a treadmill? Because you're like, do I trust this injury? Do I trust that I'm going to be able to move the same way that it could before? That's literally magnified times 17 billion when you're a professional football player and you're taking hits from these massive defensive linemen and you're taking sacks, you do have to be a little concerned about that. Yeah. I just, I just want to like manage everyone's early season expectations because my colleague Scott Pianowski always says you want to win now, win in September and worry about the playoffs later because you're at 
an advantage. No, no one wants to start the season. It's a weekly proposition. No one wants to start the season 0-3. And, and I'm not saying the deck isn't going to be great, but I think that when you're managing your rosters early season, you might want to reach for the upside guy if you're starting deck. All we're hearing about is all the records he's going to break and the pace that he was on. And no one is like acknowledging that it might be a minute before he gets back there. And if and if it's not, fantastic. But I have noticed that per bet MGM, his odds to win comeback player of the year have decreased slightly since the shoulder news came out. So if Vegas is moving, we have to adjust accordingly. Again, love Dak, very high on the player overall, manager expectations early. Also, I feel like there's another quarterback that you, you know, this is one of my favorite, the quarterback you're going to talk about. I discussed him a few weeks back. He's one of my favorite later round value targets, particularly in super flex. But I agree, it might it might take him, you know, he might ease into finding his mojo. Can you explain who he is and why? Absolutely. Uh, uh, I just said mojo. Guy. I sounded like Mike McCarthy. My apologies. But... <laughs> Uh, no, I'm, I'm going to roll with that. I just feel like that was a good transition given that we were moving on from Dak Prescott. So you rocked it. Congratulations. Thank you. Uh, we are talking about Tua Tagovailoa. I love, love, love Tua. I love what, I love what the Miami Dolphins are doing in general as a whole. Um, I think they've got a lot of really, really nice things to be excited about for their offense. Will Fuller returned to practice. You've got Plenty of questions about just how talented the wide receiver core is, but to what he's had a really good preseason gun 23 of 34 thrown for 70% uh, completion rate, 282 passing yards, one touchdown, one interception. He's had uh, a couple of shaky moments here in the preseason, but you know, we've heard really good things about his training camp. We've heard really good things about the progress he's made mentally in terms of coming back from injury. Um, he was broke. He was very vocal about that. Uh, I mean, he suffered a very catastrophic hip injury that, yep. I mean, there was a question about whether or not he would ever play football again, let alone uh, be drafted number five overall and and take snaps under center for a professional football team. That's got to be terrifying to be hit after that kind of injury. Um, it was It was very scary, but let's look at the fact that He's got a tough schedule right out of the gate. He travels to New England in week one. That is the scariest place uh, yeah, for but anybody. That's the Flores, Belichick, Ooh, like, and if any team can get after the Patriots, it tends to be the Dolphins. It is, but I hate that they travel to New England. Yeah, I love, I love when you've got the Miami Dolphins at home because they always just seem to have, like, there's no team that I think has the better edge over good teams when they travel to Miami. Cause they do. I don't know if it's the heat. I don't know if they, they have a, a couple of drinks on the Miami strip. I don't, I don't know what happens, but when teams travel to Miami, they tend to um, tend to falter sometimes, but you have to go play in new England. And you mentioned they have uh, the Brian Flores connection, which I, they do. I think there's that little extra bit of motivation for both of them. So it could go either way here because they have, they both have talented rosters, but um, just in general, traveling to New England, it's a tough crowd, especially with the fact that, you know, we are going to be seeing a lot more NFL fans. It's going to be a tougher environment than it was even last season. Um, then they have, they host the Bills 
They've got the Raiders, no problem. But guess what? You have to travel out West. You're used to the heat and all that, but I, I always hate to see East Coast teams travel West Coast. There's always just, it feels like there's a room for blips, but then they have the Colts. They have the Bucks. You mentioned their defense. He hasn't had any healthy wide receivers through training camp. We just yeah. finally saw some footage of Will Fuller, who I'm very excited for at his current draft position. Um, he's one of these guys that I'm going to be drafting in like the ninth round, eighth round. And when he's active, I'm going to be starting him. When he's not, I'm not going to start him. But Tua, it, like he needs reps with his starting wide receivers. Jalen Waddle, it sounded like he got a a uh, relatively slower start returning from injury. And I'm very excited about Jalen Waddle. I just think we're going to need a, a little minute to put all of these moving pieces and parts together. I love to, uh, I'm very excited for the weapons that they've got him, but um, even the, in the middle of the season, they've got a really nice stretch. They have the Jaguars, Falcons, Texans, Jets, Panthers. I think he can absolutely shine there, but I'm a little worried about the schedule. I'm worried about the, uh, trips he has to make on those two road games. None of it's, none of it's feeling super great for me right now. I totally understand how he might feel sluggish. And you mentioned, yes, week six, the schedule opens up beautifully against the Jags and then the Falcons Texans two weeks later, by the way, week six, the day before my birthday. So maybe hey. he'll give me a gift because I have him on a bunch of my super flex teams. <laughs> but, and obviously Will Fuller, not just that Will Fuller has missed practice time along with Devontae Parker because they're both nursing nagging injuries, but Fuller's a suspended for week one. So that's another potential, that's another, not potential, that's another obstacle the two is going to have to face. Yeah, absolutely. You have to, you have to be planning for all of these things and Though I think that like, I like to, uh, we've written him off way too, way too quickly um, in the fantasy football community. I think he's going to surprise a lot of people mid-season, anybody that drafts him. It, you're probably going to be able to pick him back up on waivers by the time his schedule opens back up, but it is going to be a slow start and I can't wait to uh, get him for a minimum fab bid later on in the season. Oh, I love how sneaky mm-hmm. and thinking ahead you bring. See, that's that thinking out of the box, thinking ahead that Kate does. I love it. Let's switch gears to the wide receiver position. I think this is a player that you and I are both on the same page about. I love Jamar Chase. I love his talent. And I think he is going to have a wonderful rookie season eventually. The parallels between him and his former teammate, Justin Jefferson, are endless, right? From where they went to college, the positions they played, their, uh, you know, lofty expectations to their, you know, easing into their first professional season, whether like, remember last year, it was Jefferson was put on the COVID list. And then it was like BC Johnson is the third wide receiver. (laughs) Chase hasn't had to deal with any of the COVID issues, thankfully, but There were reports that he was, you know, having trouble, quote, gaining separation. And then he dropped a bunch of balls in the second preseason effort and trouble connecting. And there were rumors that like Auden Tate was now the third wide receiver. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like I'm not talking about Jamar Chase not being incredible, but I am saying when a player is going in the fifth round and the expectations are that high, you're expecting that player to produce from jump. Something a little bit different than Justin Jefferson, though, is that Joe Burrow obviously has a connection with Jamar Chase, but 
He also has played a full year, well, almost a full year, of uh, before the injury with two very capable, dare I say, high-end receivers. And so he doesn't need to force the ball to Jamar Chase. We're expecting Jamar Chase to be the wide receiver one, but... When you look at that O-line and you look at the way that Burrow has like struggled to return from the ACL injury, the mental part of the game that you you talked about, and I'm sure he'll be able to shake that off. That's what the preseason is for, right? But the offensive line is still a liability, and he's still a young player who might be a little bit skittish. And you've got Tyler Boyd, who was one of the most sure-handed slot options who can work as a safety valve for Burrow. And then you have an incredible deep threat who I think doesn't get nearly enough respect. In T. Higgins, he can sky, he can stretch the field, he can take the top off the defense. I mean, he had 24 deep targets. That's wide receiver 10 for that statistical category last year with the shell of A.J. Green still on the field and the team trying to keep the veteran involved. We have to imagine that T. Higgins is that much better. So Chase, this is good ultimately in Dynasty for his long-term evolution and development because Burrow has options. He doesn't need Chase to like get it now. Chase has the space. Oh, Chase has the space. Hey. Look at that. To <laughs> to find his own pace. Oh my gosh. I oh my god. Stop there. I think we have to end the podcast formally. <laughs> that was today's show, everybody. That was fantastic. And we are also simultaneously signing off here to start your career as a rapper, I think. No, <laughs> in fact, not. No. <laughs> Lay some sick beats. I, I think we found your your next spinoff. Maybe maybe this is your next fantasy segment. Uh, in season, Liz Loza drops beats. I don't know. That's just me. It's just me. I got nothing now. <laughs> so, so tell me, uh, where, how do you feel about the... Uh, highest fantasy drafted rookie receiver in this year. I'm absolutely with you. I, I feel like we didn't like get enough spicy takes. Like we had nothing to argue about in this podcast. Mm. And but you well, know we've got what? Two That's more okay. receivers to talk about. We so. do. We do. Uh, we we could duke it out there. But I mean, Jamar Chase. I think the best point that you could make. Like I I think that. Um, the Bengals, their defense has not improved. I think I, you know, when I'm projecting that team, I'm still projecting lots of passing volume, but the difference here for Jamar Chase is the fact that he needs to surpass these other options. And it's not to say these other options in the receiving game are better, but like you said, you don't have to force him into the situation that maybe he's not ready for, you know, on the other side of the ball, again, we keep going back to this, like, uh, you know, we're, we're having this quarterback bounce back as well. So you not only have to worry about Jamar Chase bouncing back from these training camp adversities, which he will, you also have to make sure that Joe Burrow is bouncing back in similar time. I don't like the double-edged sword there. I'm passing on T Higgins at his current draft position, just because I do think that, you know, I can get Tyler Boyd a couple of rounds later. And I think- mm -hmm at least to start the season, he's going to have probably higher upside. And I can, I can just save a little bit of that draft capital. If you're in a dynasty league though, please send all of the offers in the world before we actually get to see the juice, you know, maybe send out your, your league mates, a couple of gifts of the drops, get, get a compilation uh. going, send it out there and then make your offer. 
but I mean, you can't move on from Jamar Chase right now if you're a dynasty manager, but definitely you need to be making offers because this slow start can only benefit uh, fantasy managers that, that are looking to roster Jamar Chase in the coming seasons. I dig it. And yes, I agree with you. Tyler Boyd is an excellent, especially obviously in PPR friendly formats, a later round grab. I've been trying to get him as many places I can, especially in my full point PPR leagues. Let's burn through two more receivers really quickly. I'm interested in this. You said hot takes, girl. Now you got to bring it with Marquez Callaway because (laughs) nobody's ADP is skyrocketing faster than Callaway's. Talk to me about why you're like unsure of him because I'm seeing him fly off boards. He is flying off boards and he's a guy that I'm drafting too, but he is a guy that I'm drafting at a reasonable price. Uh, I don't want to reach for him. I'm hoping to draft him uh, last night in a fantasy, uh, in a home league. I want to say I drafted him in the 10th round, which I think is, is good. But um, if he keeps performing, we're not going to be able to grab him in the 10th Mm -hmm. round for much longer. Uh, 2020 undrafted free agent played with Tennessee current wide receiver for the New Orleans Saints for anybody who was like, who the heck is Marquez Callaway? <laughs> um, that's that's what most of the NFL had to say. And then he has just been absolutely bawling out through training camp. He has been the light of that entire offense throughout this entire training camp session. Michael Thomas, we have him sidelined likely at least through October. We don't even really have a, a good sense of how well he's progressing at this point through his rehab following his ankle surgery. Oh, girl, he's not going to play all year. We don't need to, I mean, it's not going to happen. <laughs> there, are plenty of, there are plenty of discussions that we can have about Michael Thomas. And, and it's there's plenty of question marks there. But, you know, you, you even have like Traquan Smith. You have Adam Troutman, who was carted off the field the other day, has to go um, and will be seeing a, a foot specialist to deal with ongoing pain that isn't resolving despite uh, what, I believe was like a a relatively clean MRI. There's so many wide receivers down in that offense that, I mean, Marquez Callaway, he has balled out in preseason. If you've been playing with him um, in preseason DFS, God bless. He leads all wide receivers in Mm. fantasy points scored in the preseason. You gotta love it. He's had eight catches, 165 yards, two touchdowns, caught two touchdown bombs from Jameis Winston in week two of the preseason. One was a 40-yard catch. One was a 29-yard catch. And they were both big-time plays that were made in traffic. So it's not like they were wide-open touchdowns. Like, this guy was fighting for the touchdown. He came down with it, and it was totally freaking awesome. Looks like we'll see Winston. I That's how I'm projecting the team at this point. He's just looked too good in the preseason. But the first four weeks of the season... I'm tempering, tempering expectations for Marquez Callaway has one of the worst strengths of schedules among all uh, wide receivers in the NFL. They face the Green Bay Packers, Carolina Panthers, not so bad, but uh, then they get the uh, New England Patriots, New York Giants, who are very sneaky Mm -hmm. um, and like crushing opponents in terms of uh, passing yards allowed. I think the opportunity is going to be there for Marquez Callaway to get volume. But I do think he's playing some of that, not like your top three passing defenses, but he's playing some sneaky good passing defenses in those first four weeks. Um, There's there's definitely going to be some question marks at quarterback. We don't know how stable that situation is. They haven't even named Jameis Winston as the starter, but 
there's enough question marks to make me feel a little bit sketch in this uh, beginning of the season here, especially as we continue to see his price climb. I mean, it takes everybody a little bit of time. We're worried about uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, who we saw literally perform as a wide receiver one. We're like, can he face top coverage? We have questions about Juju Smith-Schuster, but Marquez Callaway, undrafted free agent wide receiver, we have no questions about. Like right. we might, we might need to see him adapt to the game a little bit. Um, he didn't see a ton of playing time last season. I'm just, I'm, I hate to do it because I'm very excited for what we've seen from him so far in the opportunity for targets. But it's, I, I project uh, first couple of weeks are going to be a little bit slower than than we'd like. So a wait and see mentality on Marquez Callaway, and frankly, if you're getting him in the t- in the double digit rounds, uh, we've got a couple more weeks until we get into it. So a couple more weeks and weekends of drafting. But honestly, if you're getting him in the double digit rounds, you have, I'm assuming, based on your drafting, he's probably going to be a, ble- a bench player to begin with, or you have the space. You don't have to immediately use him if you're working in like a standard 12 team league, right? So. You can take a wait and see approach with him and get a value. And maybe if the volume is incredible, even if the efficiency isn't that great, the opportunity makes up for it, then great. But as Kate is saying, probably at his ADP right now, no need to like have to have him perform. One quick scheduling note. I just wanted to make sure everybody was aware that Jawan Johnson, who has been the up and coming star if you will, of Saints training camp. Um, He was a college receiver converted to tight end over the summer. And in fact, the Athletics' Catherine Terrell wrote that he could have a, quote, Jared Cook-type role in this offense, um, which, you know, is we thought it would be Troutman. That is voluminous. Yeah, yeah, that is voluminous. We thought it'd be Troutman. Troutman's also a really good run blocker. So, you know, he's going to have his his hand in the in the ground, maybe not going to be used the way that we were hoping. Nick Vanette also a little bit banged up. Um, so Juwan Johnson, though, here's the good news, Fantasy Gamers. He now has tight end eligibility oh. on Yahoo's game. That changes everything to me. So I just want, if you are drafting and you are looking for those late round dart throws that Neil and I talked about on last week's episode, you can now add Jawan Johnson as a tight end in the Yahoo Fantasy game. All right, I'm going to talk about my last player. And similarly, it's a player that I love, that I am super high and that I am personally invested in. Full disclosure, I have plenty well, plenty of fantasy teams. My goodness, it's always this year. <laughs> but um, uh, I have the name to the Mooney in honor of one Darrell Mooney on plenty of my teams. That's like, right, that's a good name, I thought. Mm-hmm. Um, but here's the thing about Mooney. Like, there's, there's a lot that we like about him, right? We like the fact that without Anthony Miller on the field – Darnell Mooney should see more opportunities and that that has kind of been confirmed via the way he's been used in the preseason, right? He's not just being used in two wide receiver sets. He is being used out of the slot. At least we've seen that in the preseason. So he was already the number two to Allen Robinson in terms of receptions last year and targets, but now we know he'll be used in different positions on the field. So more opportunities, more volume. We like all that evolving of the skill set. That is chef's kiss. Here's the problem. I don't know how many times I have to say it. 
Andy Dalton is the Bears quarterback. Andy Dalton is the Bears quarterback. Andy Dalton is going to be the Bears quarterback until week four when the Bears play the Lions. There is no way, as much as I would like it, and maybe not you, Kate, because you're not a Bears fan, but anybody in the Chicago, the greater Chicagoland area would like it. Justin Fields is not going to be thrown to the Wolves. He's certainly not going to be thrown to the Wolves in week one. Nagy actually confirmed this. Nobody wants their brand new rookie quarterback who could in many ways is expected to break the chain of bad quarterbacks since Sid Luckman. No one's going to feed that guy to Aaron Donald in week one, <laughs> especially if their jobs are very much tied to the mistakes they've made at this position year after year. Andy Dalton is the team's starting quarterback for week one. That's not great for Darnell Mooney. It's not great for Darnell Mooney because... The offensive line throughout training camp has been, a, well, before training camp, but it has been confirmed in training camp via plenty, all of, a plethora of beat writers, a giant liability. Andy Dalton, as we know, does not scramble. He does not have mobility. He is a statue. And if a statue doesn't have an opportunity to plant their feet, they can't find the team's lid lifter. Yes, it's great that he's going to be in the slot, like I mentioned, but it's going to take a minute because he's not used to that position. He's not used to playing that. Next week, Andy Dalton might have a moment. He's going to play. He's going to he's going to face off against the Bengals. That's a beautiful revenge game. That's what Nagy gives him for taking the beating in week one and four ultimately the I'm sorry, but this job is no longer yours in week four. Then he's got the Browns. The, again, the O-line is problematic until there is a passer that can evade a pass rush behind a bad offensive line. And let's be honest, Fields was drafted for that reason. He was hyped for that reason. He's shown his dual threat ability throughout the summer and preseason until there's a passer who can do that. Darnell Mooney is not going to be able to hit his ceiling. So it's not that I am not high on him. It is just that I think until we see this quarterback change, he's not going to give you the upside with which you are drafting him. Absolutely. And I think one of the things that uh, is, is super interesting is that in the fantasy football community, fantasy football managers, we create our own narratives. So we see exciting play from Justin Fields in the preseason and he's locked in as our week one starter. But I mean, we've literally had Matt Nagy. Uh, have you ever seen the the video where Derek Carr is uh, looking for any available option and Josh Jacobs is just like jumping up and down and like begging for the ball? That's Matt Nagy, but he's like, I'm not starting Justin Fields. And he's right. like, why won't anybody listen to me? And I mean, you know what? Like, I, I believe him at this point. We've seen good things from, I, I was truly under the mindset that maybe uh, if we saw what we did from Justin Fields in the preseason, that we might hear a change of tune. And I feel like it's it's still not budged the needle whatsoever. This is Matt Nagy's plan. He's told us his plan. He's been very firm about his plan. We don't want to hear it as fantasy yes. managers. And I, sometimes there comes a moment where you have to look at yourself and you're like, okay, so I should probably just buy into the coach speak because we buy into all of the other coach speak except the coach speak we don't want to hear. Mm -hmm. And that, I mean, that's, that's the situation for now. But I mean, once Justin Fields comes in, his ability as an athlete, so underrated. I feel like 
I mean, he's such a great passer too. And I feel like we just didn't even hear enough about his tremendous athleticism in the whole draft process. Like, obviously that's a shining point for him, but he showcased that immediately when he stepped on the field, he's going to open up things down the field. He provides that extra moment of pause for opposing defenses where they have to, they have to be on guard. They have to be concerned that Justin Fields is going to take off. And that extra second is going to allow Darnell Mooney plenty of separation. This kid's going to have a lot of big plays, but I don't want him in my starting lineup until Justin Fields is on the field throwing him the ball. Girl, I love it. I love that we have been simpatico. I also love that you are basically ending the show on the mantra of you don't get to pick and choose your facts. You have to take (laughs) all of them. You do. It's not, um, it's not a, it's not a cafeteria. Um, it's, it, maybe it's a cafeteria, but it only serves one meal and that meal is the truth. And that is the cold, hard truth. (laughs) (laughs) This life is a cafeteria that serves one meal (laughs) and that is hashtag the truth. Yes. Truer words, in fact, have never been spoken <laughs> from one Kate Majuk. Kate, it has been absolutely lovely having you on with us today. What are you working on and what should we be looking out for? Absolutely. You can find me on Twitter at FFBallBlast. Uh, we still have our podcast dropping every Thursday, Ball Blast. That's one word, uh, Ball Blast Fantasy Football. We've got a whole team of writers over at BallBlastFootball.com who are just cranking out uh, incredible content, so eager who would love for all of you guys to check out their work. They're absolutely crushing it. Um, Forward thinking analysis uh, that will help you win your fantasy football leagues, but definitely stay tuned. We've got lots of exciting stuff in store for the 2021 season. We will definitely be checking it out. In the meantime, you can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Liz Loza underscore FF. And please follow at Yahoo fantasy on social media. I think at Yahoo, at Yahoo Fantasy only on Twitter. Actually, you can follow at Yahoo Sports on Instagram for the latest sports fantasy news and analysis. Our one and only Scott Pianowski, who I referenced earlier in the show, will be back with a new episode on Monday. Until then, we're out. Have a great weekend, everyone.